This week's podcast proudly brought to you by Kent Cartridge. See, I made the mistake of buying the cheapest shot shells I could find when I first started duck hunting, and I would literally I'd watch feathers fly off of birds as they gave me a middle finger and flew off unscathed. That's when I switched over to Kent, and I was bartending and waiting tables at the time in college, and money was tight, but Kent offered me a great product at a fair price, and I've never looked back. Of course, now we have uh, Fast Steel 2.0. They just released Fast Steel Plus for this upcoming season, and with Dove season on the horizon, we've got Steel Dove, and then Teal Steel for early teal season. Whatever your shotgunning needs are for this fall, Kent has you covered. You can find all of their products at kentcartridge.com. This week's show brought to you by Ducks Unlimited, an organization that I've been plugged into for, gosh, over 15 years now. From the Alaskan wilderness to the Atlantic Flyway, across America's Great Plains, and down the Mississippi Delta, Ducks Unlimited has been leading the way in wetlands conservation since 1937. The DU family has ensured the protection of over 16 million acres of waterfowl habitat. Think about that. So, come join us. You too can carry on DU's conservation legacy. Visit ducks.org to find your local event and join our volunteer team, Ducks Unlimited, the world's leader in wetlands conservation. Jam there, Jim Lauderdale. The road is the river. Kicking things off for us on SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show, presented by Mossberg Firearms. I'm your host, Cable Smith. Thank you so much for being here. This is episode, what are we at now? Uh, 689. Thanks for being here. I do appreciate it. There's no place I'd rather be than right here talking hunting, fishing, the great outdoors, and all that implies with you fine folks. So thanks for dropping by. Uh, we've got a good one lined up for you. And I will tell you all about it momentarily. But first, I had to had to share this. I saw the most hilarious thing on social media this week. And, you know, if you dove hunt, it's no secret. Dove like to hang out on power lines. And then they'll uh, head into whatever agricultural field is that they're, they're feeding in. But you're going to see them perched on power lines. What if you don't have a power line? I saw these dudes using uh, some heavy machinery to construct a fake power line, literally putting in two telephone poles, no electricity, and just a wire across the two wooden beams. I thought that was pretty genius, I'm not going to lie. And I I am seeing lots of dove on the power lines here in North Texas. So hopefully, hopefully, if we get any weather, it happens within the next two weeks because a lot of rain can really screw things up if it happens right before the season kicks off. And those birds will push out. And, you know, you'll be left with a, a three-bird opening day, which, hey, three's better than none, I suppose. Uh, but little Stella, she needs those dove hearts. That's her uh, her favorite appetizer, our smoked dove hearts. So we need to have a good opening day. Um, what are we doing today? You know what to do. Pull up that stool a little closer to the old campfire. Pour yourself another cup of that black rifle coffee. 
out of Granddaddy's Beat Up Bold Stanley Thermos because we are ready to rock and roll. And um, off the top, it's going to be a quick hit segment. I'm going to ask you to do me a favor. It'll take you like 60 seconds, but not don't do it for me. Do it for the future of hunting, uh, specifically archery, shooting sports, and hunter education in our school systems. I'll tell you more about that in just a sec. Uh, then, is there anything worse? Because y- y- y'all know that I throw plenty of shade at vegans because they're mentally disturbed individuals. But there might there might be a, a kind of person, a, a population of humans that is actually worse than vegans. And I'm talking about people who eat meat but have a big problem with hunting. They're anti-hunters that eat meat. Uh, I cannot rationalize that. But uh, I actually got into a conversation with one on social media, uh, private message, but I'm going to share that interaction with you because uh, at the end of the day, maybe it was productive. I don't know. Uh, then we will spend some time with my favorite couple in the outdoor space. And I'm biased, of course, because they're my good friends. But uh, Texas transplants, they now live in Utah, unfortunately. Uh, but they love it there, and they're they're huge bow hunters. Uh, Jessica and Braxton Byers will jump on and we're going to recap their first African safari, uh, Jess's mountain goat hunt. Braxton drew a, oh my God, he drew a once in a lifetime elk tag in New Mexico. I'm sure we'll hit on that. I think he's actually guiding uh, a famous hunter on that trip as well. Um, so much to discuss with, uh, with Jess and Braxton coming up here in just a little bit. That's what's on the docket for today. Going to be a good one. Uh, let's knock out a quick giveaway. Well, we're going to celebrate the fast approaching dove opener by giving away a half a case of Kent Cartridge Steel Shot. It's Steel Dove, is what it's called. Uh, these are 12 gauge, I think they are seven and a quarter uh, shot size. So, uh, yes, just email the word dove. That's dove. Oh, and by the way, our, uh, our annual visitors are back on the uh, back patio nesting. Last year, they attempted five nests. This year, I guess conditions are less than ideal. Uh, this is They've only done one, and they waited all the way till August. But did you know that Dove will attempt to nest up to five times? One pair of Dove up to five times in a calendar year when conditions are good. Oh, all that aside, uh, just email the word Dove to Lone Star Outdoor Show at gmail.com, and you are entered into today's Kent Cartridge Giveaway. We'll be right back on SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show. If you're looking for a new gun safe, you need to check out the Performance Firearm Storage Solutions from Securit. Unlike traditional safes, Securit products are designed to perform for you. They're lightweight, so you can discreetly store them in any room in the house, and the interior is completely customizable to fit your guns and gear. I would know, I've got four of them. Their fast access storage system keeps my guns and optics organized so they never touch each other or get damaged, and I'm never more than an arm's length away from a firearm. The best part, they're always running great sales. Head over to securitgunstorage.com backslash cable to see their latest promotion, and you can thank me later. 
The granddaddy of all hunting shows is back. The 2023 Hunters Extravaganza, August 11th through the 13th at the Fort Worth Convention Center. Fun for the whole family. Check out hunting seminars, all the latest hunting equipment, last season's best bucks from our annual deer contest, and for the little hunters, games, live alligators, snakes, and more. For details and tickets, go to huntersextravaganza.com. August 11th and 13th at the Fort Worth Convention Center. The 2023 Hunters Extravaganza. Cable Smith, welcoming everybody back into SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show presented by Mossberg. Time for another uh, quick hit segment. Lots of little things going on that I don't want to spend uh, a whole show on, but want to hit on for sure. Uh, number one, the uh, yeah, what we mentioned last week, the Biden administration's assault on hunting uh, by banning funding for schools that have uh, archery, shooting, Hunter education, all of those things, banning it, citing them as dangerous to society. They're doubling down on that uh, moving forward with this legislation. Uh, so I want you to go to the SCI link. Uh, I've put it up on the website right there in the show notes for this week. Um, click on that. It'll take you literally 60 seconds to fill it out and let your voice be heard because that's going to email your elected official. Uh, it's that easy. They've already done all of the the legwork, the behind-the-scenes stuff. All you need to do is type in your name and say, I disagree with this. Please raise hell on my behalf, essentially, uh, because this is very, very important. Uh, <laughs> defunding archery. Who would have thought? But uh, nothing is shocking under this anti-hunting and 2A uh, administration. And if there's ever been a time for those pro-Biden hunters to have a little self-reflection. I look no further. Um, okay, other things to mention. And, and this might be actually probably the only other thing we get into here, uh, just from a time standpoint. But I, I'm very hesitant to interact with anti-hunters on social media or, or in real life. Because you'll know within 30 seconds if their head is so far up their ass that you can't have a productive conversation. And they'll let you know. And it'll be very obvious. But if someone generally wants to have a conversation or you get the vibe that, hey, maybe this person's on the fence, then sometimes I'm willing to go down that road. And I did that the other day on social media with a private message exchange with a fella um, from West Texas. And the dude essentially was blowing up my inbox telling me that Hunting is a rich man's sport and that you shouldn't be killing animals, completely dismissing the reality that so many of us live on wild game. Not 100%, but 70% of the the protein that my family eats is something that I've, you know, killed or, or caught. That, that's just a fact. We have three freezers full of wild game. Well, they're starting to get a little empty, but deer season's right around the corner. But then he said, well, poor, poor people can't afford to hunt uh, zebras or white-tailed deer or ducks. I said, yes, poor, poor people actually can't afford a hunting license. You know, even pe- people that are 
financially not doing so well. There are tons of blue-collar hunters. Hell, I know all of my neighbors in Oklahoma, they aren't wealthy on my, my lease up there. But they damn sure live off venison. Well, he's very dismissive uh, dismissive of that uh, response. And then uh, I'm like, well, what about the funding for these animals that you don't think we should be killing? Who's going to pay for that if we don't? He goes, and he's totally dismissive. I mean, I sent him a link to the Pittman-Robertson Act. And his response to that, I guess he actually did look into it, was, so you guys raise billions to replace the animals that you already killed. And I was like, well, yeah, it's a renewable resource. You, you cut down a tree, you plant a new one. Same concept. And this dude, um, and now I'm like, okay. I said, you sound like you might be a vegan. Or, or do you eat meat? He goes, yes, I eat beef, chicken, poultry, and fish from the store. <laughs> I just laughed out loud. I was just like, oh. So you're the worst kind of anti-hunter because at least vegans, as stupid and mentally ill as they are, you know where they stand. It's it's folks like you that are the biggest hypocrites because you eat meat, but say that we shouldn't kill things, although something died for you to eat meat. So you see the disconnect. And he's like, well, yeah, but I didn't have to I didn't have to pay to go hunting. I said, so do you get all of your meat for free from the store? That that gross hormone injected meat? I guarantee you that costs more than my neighbors on you know, my Oklahoma lease that put five deer in the freezer every year. And he goes, no, poor people can't afford a freezer. I was like, so now poor people are too inept, too stupid to prioritize the fact that they need a freezer to keep their meat from spoiling. I mean, it was just, I don't know. But the whole point boils down to what he says, well, I, you know, you don't ever post any photos of, of poor hunters on your page. I'm like, how do you know if someone is lower class, middle class, or upper class, you know, based off of a photo? I don't know if I have or, or if I do. I don't know. But let me let me do something real quick. And I just Googled poor hunters. First thing that pops up is an entire Reddit feed. And the the first guy's comment is, I have $25 expendable income at the end of every week, and I sit my ass in a stand every weekend in November and December with my $200 Walmart rifle. And then someone from Alaska chimed in on that uh, Reddit, what is it called, uh, a thread? Uh, threads, I, that's what we used to call them back in the old old days of, of hunting forums before social media. But yeah, so this Reddit thread, uh, an Alaska native says, in my state, depending on where you live, you're given subsistence tags. Hunting a caribou when you were there for meat takes one day max. The regulations vary by area, but we did this all the time in my village. Plains can't always get in, so the meat you keep in the winter is a lifesaver. So I send I send this stuff to the dude, and I, he he sends me a thumbs up. I said, okay, I, I guess I see your point. And I was like, wow, we made some headway here which isn't the norm, right? Because like I said earlier, generally these conversations are a waste of time. And as I'm having this 30-minute text exchange with a complete stranger online, I'm like, this is, I, I'm wasting my time here. Especially when he told me he ate meat, but <laughs> he had a problem with people killing uh, wild game and eating it. But at the end of the day, maybe yeah, maybe it was worth it. And that, maybe that's how we have to win them over, one at a time. And, and by not being dismissive and rude and 
ugly to the dude, yeah, maybe that's maybe progress was made. I don't know. That's my hope anyway. If you have a, a similar experience, feel free to email that in where you've actually changed someone's mind on hunting because that uh, they seem to be few and far between. People have their minds made up, man. They don't even when they know they're wrong. They don't. They can't admit that's and that's human nature. Admitting that you are wrong. Well, that's uh, that's tough to do. See vaccines. Okay, uh, let's knock out a break. That segment brought to you by All Seasons Feeders and Blinds and the 600-pound stand-and-fill in particular. You can find it at allseasonsfeeders.com. Up next, my good friends, Jessica and Braxton Byers join us. We're talking archery elk, African safaris, mountain goat, OnlyFans, who knows what else, right here on the Lone Star Outdoor Show. It always is somehow. Some say a silenced gunshot is the baddest sound out there. At Silencer Central, we have another favorite. It's the sound of silence delivered to your front door. When you buy from Silencer Central, we handle your application, set you up with a free NFA gun trust, and deliver your silencer straight to you. With an average 90-day turnaround time when you use eForms, buying a silencer is simpler than ever. Visit silencercentral.com and we'll help you get started. Time to tell you about Protect products. Veteran-owned and made in the USA, Protect makes your water work harder for you in the field. They have a hydration electrolyte formula for endurance and replenishment. It's perfect for elk hunting, right? Uh, Energy formula for when you need an extra kick. Immunity for optimizing the immune system. And one of my favorites, the rest formula to ensure deep sleep and proper recovery. All the formulas are liquid, so they mix instantly in your water bottle or camelback. And the cool thing is, They don't gunk them up like a powder with that messy residue. They also have an easy-to-use line of mineral sunscreen for quick and odorless application and all-day protection in the field. For more info, head over to protect.com to see their entire lineup. That's protect, P-R-O-T-E-K-T.com. There's little Sean McConnell bringing us back on STI's Lone Star Outdoor Show, presented by Mossberg Firearms. Uh, that one is for our next guest, as I know she loves a little Sean McConnell. Uh, Jessica and Braxton Byers are here, and uh, <laughs> I'd say they're probably my favorite couple in the outdoor space. Uh, we've been friends a long time, probably like a decade now, which just means... We're getting old. They live an interesting life, and it is fueled by their passion for bow hunting. So uh, we'll get into that conversation. This segment of the show brought to you by Numa Outdoors and the Pathfinder Pant, which is my favorite pant I've ever owned, which y'all have heard me talk about that, but I mean it. Uh, from going to fill feeders to the gun range to actually hunting, I'll be wearing it archery, elk hunting, in New Mexico coming up here in just a couple weeks now. And the cool thing about NUMA 
is I've got that promo code for you, 20% off, not just the Pathfinder pant, but their entire catalog of hunting apparel. So check it out. That's Numa Outdoors, P-N-U-M-A, Numa Outdoors.com. And that promo code again, Lone Star 20 when you check out. With that being said, uh, let's bring him on right now, joining us from Hunting Fool headquarters in Utah. Braxton, Jess, it is great to see you guys. It's good to see you again. It's been too long. Oh, I know. Uh, probably since SCI, I think. Um, yeah. But no, I was I not. I think oh, I saw you right. SC, right? That's what it was. Yeah. That's where I saw you. That's right. That's right. You got to skip out on SCI. But you missed a good show. Nashville was fun. Oh, that was super fun. That was probably my favorite show for sure that SCI has had. I'm super excited about going back this year. I'll be there this year for sure. I've had two people tell me how much fun it was. And I do love Nashville. I was just kind of, I was just trade show season takes it out. (laughs) It's our busiest time of the year too at Hunt and Full. So I was just feeling like I need to be back in the office, but the house is booked. We will both be in Nashville. Awesome. Awesome. So how is, uh, how's Utah? rainy right now our yeah. streets are that's why we were a few minutes late getting on because the streets are like a lot like it's pouring right now uh-huh. which is exciting i love it i miss the rain in texas it just doesn't rain very much here at all it's like we're on the cusp of desert right between desert and forest and what so, part of utah southern utah about an uh 45 minutes north of saint george okay so we're in a little mountain town called cedar city we sit at about six thousand elevation it's one state I have not hunted in yet. Utah. But, yeah, but I, you know, I'm building my my elk point, so hopefully I can draw while I'm still like physically able to do it. Right. We'll see. Well, yeah. you could always do the hunt that we do. It's, I mean, it's just cows and spikes, but you're you get to be in the middle of giant bulls the whole time, so you get to hunt the best units of the state. You just can't shoot that bull. You can shoot everything with it. Mm, no, so, not interested. <laughs> <laughs> I love the hunt. It's like a low pressure way to enter the season that's i've been opening with that the past several years well okay if i live there and i could go shoot a cow elk uh yeah i'd probably do that but you're not going to tempt this texan to travel all the way to utah for the opportunity to shoot a spike or a cow i won't even shoot a spike or a cow on my bull tag in new mexico because i'm not packing it out and i'm no you know i we eat everything that that i kill in this house but i am not packing out a cow when i can shoot 10 whitetail or whatever it is between Texas and Oklahoma and just load it up in the back of the pickup. I'm there to kill a bull or come home empty handed. <laughs> I understand. Well, Some it's people not- might say that's snobby, but it is what it is. Well, you could come hang out with us, your favorite Texans. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, that's more tempting. Yeah. <laughs> so how long have y'all lived in Utah now? November will be four years. That's crazy. Time flies. It's uh, going by super fast. And do you think you'll ever end up back in Texas? We go back and forth. She misses Texas every time we go. I mean, the hospitality, the concerts, the dancing, there's not a lot of that here. Um, So, you know, she kind of gets her fix on trade show, but every time we go home and I think we probably will one day, but not anytime soon for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I I agree. I mean, I think, it's easy to miss where you like any place that you connect to that you don't get to see all the time, you're going to miss. And Texas will always be home. And thankfully our work lets us 
go there often. I mean, I probably go to Texas at least once a quarter just to uh-huh. hang with family. And but no, we're gonna be here for a while. We're actually house shopping right now in Utah. So finally decided yeah. it's time. <laughs> nice. So you all you've been in a camper ever since you moved up there? No, we did live in the camper in Texas for 15 months. Um the camper did not go to Utah. The camper did not go to Utah. <laughs> I mean you did you guys like documented it all of like all the upgrades and stuff. I'm, that's why I was curious because I just hauled my first like legit camper out to the deer lease this past weekend. I saw that. That's awesome. Yeah. Congrats on the new. The new, new to me. It's a 2009, not fancy. So ours, just... wasn't, ours wasn't that fancy. We made it, we made it feel like home, but yeah. he hated it. So it wasn't coming to Utah. I loved it. <laughs> I would still be living in a fifth wheel, but yeah. he, not so much. It was just fancy enough to where Aaron will come out there, you know? Yeah, uh, but that's about it. I was like, how what is the least amount of money I can spend to where I can still get her out here and not feel like it's a roach motel? <laughs> a roach motel. <laughs> hey, that's that's better than a scorpion motel. Or a you know, um public housing for the local mice colony. Um, because that's always uh, I did see a rattlesnake though, right there in camp. So that was cool. Less mice, <laughs> I guess. Anyway. <laughs> so you're house shopping now yeah. and you've been in Utah for four years. What are your job descriptions at Hunt and Fool? Uh, I'm a hunt, hunt advisor. So basically you can call in here. Um, we have hunt advisors that cover all the West, um, e- pretty much even the States back East now that are starting non-resident draws, we cover them. Uh, so, you know, you could call us and the ladies, We'll answer the phone, take notes from you, and then whoever's best fit to talk to you about the unit you drew or the very chauvinist you of you. The ladies will answer the phone, and then they'll get you a guy to talk about hunting. <laughs> oh, we actually have a guy back there too, but he usually calls out. So, uh, but no, we chat about the units you drew, how many points you have, what best is going to fit you with those points, and the type of hunting you're looking for, and things like that. Uh huh. Yes, yeah, so he's, he's on the consulting side of things. He's kind of part of the core of Hunt and Fool, like what makes Hunt and Fool cool that you can call in and talk to somebody who knows what you need to know. I'm on the I'm in the marketing and PR department. So I handle all of our keep all of our advertisers happy, or I, I really try to <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, with print and digital advertising. And then I attend all of our events, except for SCI last year. <laughs> yeah. And um, yeah, help with all kinds of stuff. I'm help with the magazine team, obviously, because we have a lot of advertising in that and they let me write. I love to write. So I'm very grateful, even though that's not really part of my job. So prior to that though, you, well, I know Braxton was like a ranch manager, mm-hmm. uh, did a lot of, of guiding hunts in Texas. And Jess, you had your own follow her arrow brand that essentially is how you were making a living. What was that transition like going from, you know, it's all me all the time. I'm a one man band here to going into the corporate hunting space. It's been wonderful. Um, I was, I kind of hit a place where I kind of saw the writing on the wall because I felt like I was doing what a lot of people do now along, like when it first got started. Mm -hmm. So finding a way to make money in terms of like individual contracts with companies and being able to travel the world without having a TV show and all that. I'd figured out how to do that. But then when social media became 
more and more adaptable to making money through a screen and being like, we never called ourselves influencers in 2015 when I started it, but then I feel like the space is pretty flooded now. And I saw the writing on the wall, like, okay, this is going to, this doesn't have a lot of a future to it, in my opinion, like for what I was doing, because there's too many people that would do it for free. And so, no, not for free for year. Or that (laughs) gear doesn't doesn't pay my bills. So, um, sadly, um, but it was a mix of, okay, I see this coming. I'm, I probably need to find a different route, but I missed, I missed having a team. I really did. I, um, for the jobs that I did have part of what makes it so special is the culture within that job. Um, whether I was waiting tables or working at Cavender's boot city or, in construction, working with project manager, like I've done a little bit of everything. And at the end of the day, I love people. I love connecting with people, figuring out our strengths and weaknesses and how we can help each other. And it gets pretty lonely (laughs) when it's just all you. I mean, you're doing it, right? Like it. I'm not a hunting influencer. I'm a talk show host. You are. You are. So you get to interact with people a lot more. Hunting influencers, I guess, a byproduct of what I've been doing for 15 years, but that was before. I mean, certainly Instagram existed. I don't. Sure. Um, and then Facebook, I got on kicking and screaming. I told all my friends they were total losers. I'm not getting on that crap, you know. And I was the last holdout. And then when you start your own business, it's like, oh, I guess I got to do this now. Yeah. Here we yeah. are. <laughs> yeah. I was the yeah. same way. I said I would never have social media. Uh-huh. But it's it's really impossible to to have a well, I guess there's some career, like if you, I don't know. I don't know. What is a job where you wouldn't need to have social media? Oh, I guess if you were a bartender, maybe. But if you're in a, you know. The, the do thing I? is, do you need to? Okay, so there's a there's this like line of like need to and want to. Okay. But when there's an opportunity to make more money in, in any industry by being on it, that to me is you should do it because why not make an, why not have a side hustle? That's already like complimenting what you're doing day to day, what you live and breathe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So not knocking bartenders. I was a bartender, by the way. And I enjoyed it. I enjoyed that. That, <laughs> that was a fun hard. job. Well, now that our listeners know a little bit about you guys, uh, let's knock out a break. We'll come back, uh, recap your first African safari. We've got archery elk hunting, maybe a mountain goat hunt to mix in as well. Uh, that segment brought to you by the stealth cam deceptor. When it comes to nighttime images, the no-glow technology on this bad boy, I mean, the images are impeccable. You can pick one up at StealthCam.com to find out for yourself. We'll be right back with Jess and Braxton Byers on SEI's Lone Star Outdoor Show. Back towards the horses and the hounds. Chris Letzinger, online sales manager at Cinnamon Creek Ranch here, reminding you we're not your typical archery club. We're a one-of-a-kind archery facility with indoor and outdoor ranges, full pro shop, and six different 3D courses. Cinnamon Creek was designed by hunters for hunters. Located in Roanoke, Texas, we have over 200 3D targets to hone your archery skills. Call 817-439-8998 or visit us at cinnamoncreekranch.com to visit our new online store. That's cinnamoncreekranch.com. 
you're looking for a thermal hog hunt near DFW, then Three Curl Outfitters has you covered. Offering fully guided thermal hunts just minutes south of Dallas, guide scout daily to put you on the bacon. Using thermal imaging technology to hunt feeders, crop fields, and river bottoms, you get unlimited hogs and no kill fees. Visit www.3curl.com. Also offering corporate hunts and food and lodging available by request. Book at 3curl.com or call 214-455-0940. In the market for a compact track loader? Check out the Bobcat Advantage, where Bobcat track loaders squared off against other brands in a variety of tests and challenges. Whether you're looking for performance advantages, uptime protection, or quality design, Bobcat compact track loaders are the best-built machines in the industry. But don't take our word for it. Watch the videos at BobcatAdvantage.com or see Bobcat machines in person at one of our nine North Texas locations. Visit BobcatOfNorthTexas.com or call 469-586-0000 today. Brand new one there from the Cameron Sackey band, Telephone. Well, brand new to us anyway. Uh, as I just discovered this dude and really love their sound. Um, I think we're going to have him on the show coming up in the very near future. I'm Cable Smith, by the way. Thanks for tuning in to SCI's Lone Star Outdoors show. This segment is brought to you by Mossberg Firearms and the Patriot Rifle Lineup. I actually just got the girls a black and pink 243 in the, uh, the Bantam model. And Mossberg actually custom threaded that bad boy for us so we could put the suppressor on there. Uh, but yeah, Frankie and Stella gung ho about their first rifle. And at least one of them I'm predicting is going to shoot a deer uh, this fall. So the whole family's pumped about that. And you can find the entire Patriot lineup, everything from a 22250 all the way up to a 375 Ruger. Uh, it's all right there at Mossberg.com. Without further ado, Let's get back into our conversation with my good friends, Jessica and Braxton Byers. Well, so we talked a little bit about what you guys do at Hunt and Fool, but y'all offer another service, one that keeps me organized because I've told you I've missed draws so many times. It's hard when you're applying in, you know, seven, eight, 10 states, different tags in each state, but more, I think the, the really difficult thing is to just keep track of the deadlines because they're not, they're all different every state. So right. that's where Hunting Fool uh, really keeps you organized, simplify everything. I tell you guys what I want to apply for and what state, and then it just magically happens for me. Yes. Which that's what yeah, I do for everybody. Yeah, that's another branch of what we do. We have a license app service, and that's all they do is, you know, it could be a one-time phone call once a year just for us to run through your stuff, and then we pass it off uh, to the ladies because they're a lot more organized, and they mm -hmm. uh, they don't miss. so. They get you applied on time and in the units and everything that you want. And but that's a that's a whole different side of our office that is very, very organized. Yeah, I think that people tend to conflate those a little bit because if you're a member of Hunt and Fool, then you're you have access to all of our resources to kind of DIY it. Like we guide you through it in terms of what how the states are broken down, what their point systems are, if they have a point system, what you should be going after. And you apply yourself. 
but there's a lot of people who are really, really busy and miss them anyways, even though they have the best of intentions, or there's other people who just don't like all the reading and research and they just want to know they got applied. Whatever your reasoning is, yes, there's a separate service from our membership called License Application Services, and we can do it all for you, which is what you do, Cable. So mm-hmm. lots yes, of thank you happening under the roof. <laughs> a lot less headache for me, no doubt about that. Uh, although I did not draw an elk tag anywhere this year, so I went with the uh, the New Mexico landowner tag, unit-wide. So, nice. yeah, it was. But the price on those things, I mean, I was looking at what that cost versus, I think you were in Africa when I was messaging you, mm-hmm. uh, Braxton, about if you knew any guides in Idaho, where I could book a guided hunt for basically what I paid for the uh, the the unit wide landowner tag in New Mexico, actually way less. So I'm su- I'm surprised. I was actually surprised to find uh, fully guided elk hunts for less than, or at, you know, $5,000, um, anymore. Yeah. The, what we're seeing, I mean, it is crazy. The amount of hunts that are not available. I mean, elk and mule deer hunts in the lower 48 right now outfitted, they come with a tag or either super, super expensive or they're booked up. I mean, you look mm-hmm. at Colorado, Idaho, even some of your Montana general public uh, stuff, and they're they're booked before people even draw. I mean, people are putting yeah. down payments in the hope that they draw. Um, the hunting. Well, I didn't find a hunt in Idaho. They were all yeah. booked. Yeah. Yeah. I came in when we got back from Africa and was talking to Isaiah, and he had, you know, he had nothing either, and he works with a ton of outfitters up there, but. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's getting crazy. I mean, the price of landowner tags is skyrocketing. You know, we buy a lot of landowner tags in New Mexico and have good relationships with landowners um, through another business, you know, the outfitting side that I work with. Uh, we saw some units jump eight to $10,000 since last Goodness year. Goodness gracious. So, um, you know, every tag was up $1,500, $2,500. Supply um, mm-hmm. and demand, the state cut a bunch of archery tags and I don't know if it was the harsh winters up north last year that pushed a lot more people down to the south, but tags skyrocketed. And and for the listeners, this is for again, this isn't through Huntful because we we don't deal with landowner tags anymore outside of just listing them on the website. He's referring to his side hustle, which is guiding all during the fall season, where he's involved with an outfitter, and so they're chasing tags in New Mexico. Yeah. So that's what he's referring to. He has a little bit of an ins- of insight on the New Mexico side of things. Yeah. So. For anyone that's interested, New Mexico has this very unique, and some people hate it, uh, but I think it's great to take advantage of. But they have an opportunity to hunt the national forest, the public land, with a unit-wide landowner tag. So you buy it from the landowner, and then you can hunt across the entire unit. Okay, You just need to make sure that it says (laughs) unit-wide. Right, right. Um, Which which was more, I honestly didn't want to go with the guide anyway, but a guide that I hunted with three years ago is the one that I called. And then I gave him like a $500 finders fee for getting the tag for me. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I'm assuming, you know, that's, that's probably how it works for a lot of folks. Oh yeah. Yeah. We, I mean, we even sell off some tags, you know, that we can't book, you know, as hard as they're getting, we try to buy everything that we can get our hands on. And then if if they're not going to book, we sell them off to DIY guys or other outfitters and, and things like that. And on the Hunting Full website, we do list tags. We just don't broker tags anymore. So we'll list them on Hunting Full and with the landowner's number. Um, and you can call them and buy buy direct from them. Mm-hmm. 
And now is archery elk your favorite thing, both of you? For sure, mine. Um, I tag, yes. I love, I actually have a great archery elk tag this year that I drew in New Mexico that I'm guiding Derek Wolf on. So I don't know if I'll get the hunt with a tag I'll probably never draw again in my life, but hopefully I can get him on a bull and then I can hunt a few days. Um, I love archery elk hunting. You're, did you draw a Gila tag? Yeah. Son of yeah, a gun. Less than a 1% chance <laughs> of drawing. Oh, and we have gonna... lots of choice words because I'm like, you're guiding when you have a tag? Cancel the hunt. And he's like, I can't. <laughs> like, and he wants to. Mm. He loves Derek. So you better I get just... Derek and Elk on, his, on the first day so you can focus on you. Yeah, we have 10 days and he's booked for all 10 of them. So, mm. and he's uh, wanting to be a little bit picky, but. I saw him last year. He gets pretty dang excited. So hopefully we can get a good bull in range and he get a good shot on and then I'll be off to hunting. But he booked the hunt and I actually put in for it thinking, oh, there's no way I'll draw this tag. So I'll throw it first choice and I drew it. Um, wow. He had already booked the hunt before, you know, applications went in. So uh-huh. I'm obligated to guide him. But if I get to hunt, great. If not, I'll still be in there chasing elk with him. That dude's super nice. I met him at SCI and was like, Hey, I'd, you know, I'd love to, I told him what I did. And that was right after the whole him killing the mountain lion thing came out. Uh-huh. And, uh, he was like, yeah, I'd love to do a podcast sometime. And he just gave me his personal cell phone number. Yeah. You know, a lot of these folks these days have handlers and they're like, Oh, I'll talk to my, you know, but that just tells you like how down to earth someone is. I haven't reached mm-hmm. out to him, but I was actually thinking about him the other day. Um, yeah, he's really, I wish more uh athletes that are in the in the spotlight would put it out there about their hunting because a lot of them do it and they don't they don't talk about it yeah oh he does not care yeah no they're okay <laughs> there is a lot of them that do it you know being in in this industry with hunting full we do a lot of their apps um in the guiding world we're on the phone with a lot of athletes musicians mm-hmm. that you never know they hunted but they're big into it it's yeah. really cool to see i mean i understand you know why they kind of keep it quiet and their impact but it is cool when you do see the the few that come out and talk about it and put it out there in a in a good light yeah uh, and he, that dude is massive by the way yeah i have oh. a picture of me and him cleaning his elk last year that i guided him to i look like his three-year-old stepson <laughs> and, he, and braxton's closer to the camera it is hilarious you have to text him that that's yeah. the funniest photo yeah. yeah, he so, ate for like four people every meal. Our, our cook, because he hunted with him last year, <laughs> and um, he our 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 chef that was in in camp had to go back to town. Um, so we we're all in Walton camps, and she was like, "I, I wasn't planning for him to for, to feed one person for four people." Right. <laughs> so he had like mounds of food every night, and he had sixteen tacos that night. Fifteen. <laughs> oh my god. 15 yeah. So he's a former defensive lineman for the Broncos, um, won a Super Bowl, and then he has a he's actually on the radio in Denver as a sports talk show, and mm-hmm. he became famous among the uh, the hunting community when he tracked this, I guess, problem mountain lion down and, and killed it last year and got some great publicity. But then you know the anti hunters were all like, uh, you know, here's the yeah, name that comes along with that. It seems like anybody who kills like a predator animal, there there's going to be some hate come along with it if you uh, post it out there on social media. Yeah, uh, Jess, one thing that you've done that is, it's kind of on the back burner, but it's it's one that I want to do. Um, 
you went you've killed a caribou in alaska or was that no uh, I, canada I, um not a, so not a caribou i went mountain goat hunting last year in alaska you've never been caribou hunting i i planned to hunt last year and then they shut down everything in alaska um, so they shut down for two years um so thanks to deb Howland, uh in the the subsistence federal subsistence board that yeah when oh, they shut sorry. down like, they shut your area down. Yeah, yeah the area i was gonna go because i mean I, I could go to a different area but we just didn't know what it would be mm -hmm. like and so we said okay well wait so they're gonna open it hopefully back up next year yeah. in 2024 maybe i can go okay so, and so was that with that, that's no guide just a freight service just dropping you in or what yeah mm -hmm. yeah there was a group of um five or six of us that were gonna go uh -huh. and so it's postponed it is on the list it was highest on my bucket list and that and mountain goat i was supposed to do them back to back the same year go caribou hunting and then jump over and hunt my mountain goat last year but the first yeah. part obviously got postponed so what ballpark cost on the diy caribou hunt um i think we i think i budgeted about 6500 total okay okay yeah I could so go back, there, but I'm yeah. pretty sure it's right around there. Mm -hmm. With the most of that being the actual transportation in and out. Yeah, yeah. flights and stuff. Uh -huh. Yeah. Okay. It so, wouldn't be more than that. If anything, it would be less. It might be closer to like five thousand, but I think it's yeah. it gets right in that six thousand range. Uh -huh. So let's talk mountain goat hunting because I, you know, I, we we talked a little bit, and I think you're sitting, your chair has your mountain goat on it. If this I'm is not his mistaken. tiny. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> the front part of his hide, I'm getting him shoulder mounted. So he's uh, at Cody right now. And um, actually, here's the head. I'm supposed to ship this boy today. Oh, cool. Gosh, they look so much smaller when you uh, just have it like this. But um, yeah, he's getting shoulder mounted, but I got the back side of him. So I got his little tail right here in my face. It's yeah, real fun. That's cool. Uh, <laughs> so I booked mine for 2026. I've literally vetted every goat outfitter at sci okay. and found one that was the most reasonably priced and some of those hunts are like well into the twenty thousands of dollars now for goat hunt and i'm just like i'm not made of money here uh so found one with uh, the guy is actually the head of the uh goabc the guides outfitters of uh, british columbia so it has a great reputation i mean you don't get elected to that position unless you have you know a good good standing within the hunting community so i felt comfortable with that um and it's in british columbia but it's for 2026 i'm gonna be oh, i'm gonna be like 45 years old at that point god we're getting old what was the physical demands when you talk about archery elk hunting to goat hunting was it different the same it was different um because a lot of it's like hiking in like loose rock and it's just like you take one step forward and you feel like you're just barely getting anywhere because you're sliding and um, i mean it's sheep country it's same it's just it's very physically demanding um it was certainly more mentally challenging for me too because it's a lot easier to chase bugling bulls <laughs> mm -hmm. and not think about how far i'm going uh, as opposed to assuming that the weather allows you to glass them up and you're not fogged in or rained out the way we were for a lot of my hunt, then it's a lot of glassing. And then when it's go time and you have a break in the weather, you freaking got to hunt. Like you have to take advantage of every second. 
So yes, it was it was more physically demanding for me um, in the sense that it was a backpack hunt. So I packed in on my back for seven days and usually with elk hunting, you know, I, I just, I'm not packing that much. I can get back to my truck or camp mm-hmm. or whatever that looks like. So um, it's the hardest I've ever trained for a hunt. I started six months, gosh, yeah, like early spring I was hiking and worked up to, I think the last ruck I did was 50 pounds. And I ended up going in with bow and everything was about 63 pounds on my back. Mm-hmm. So I would just say, be, I don't know where you're going to hike in Texas. I guess get on a freaking Stairmaster. I don't know, but put some weight on your back, on your hips with a pack and just learn how to hike your like butt a off. couple cases of lone star beer and then you know when you're <laughs> whatever <doing> this... <laughs> whatever motivates you <laughs> <laughs> uh that was the biggest thing like i do hike a lot when i no, sorry bud light my bad <laughs> <laughs> all of a sudden your subscribers <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think they know me better than that uh-huh so what uh, what uh what caliber rifle did you take on that hunt so i actually you took you said you had your bow I did take my bow because my whole thing. So where we were hunting, a couple of the guys have hunted it before that same area. They drew that before. And they said, if you want to get one with your bow, this is probably the most realistic for a mountain goat hunt. And I had said, I would shoot a nanny with my bow over a billy with a gun any day. Mm -hmm. But because of the time crunch, it got down to it. We barely had, I think I had like maybe two days total to hunt out of the trip. So I grabbed a gun and I was shooting a six, five PRC. Okay. Zipper uh-huh. And how far was the shot? Uh, 250 yards. That's pretty typical. Um, I think it's probably more typical to do three to 400 yards. Maybe. I don't know. That seems to be like what I hear in the office, but, yeah. uh, I just happened to walk up on this one. Like we were hiking and I just, he was like tucked in between two, um, parts of the mountain and I just happened to see him because we thought they had all gone on the other side. So the first shot, and I, I'm I'm speaking out of like the earlier part of the hunt, we had a guy, I was hunting with another guy with a tag. He had taken a shot between six and seven hundred yards and missed. I took a shot at 500 yards and missed. The crosswinds are like it can be hard to shoot across a canyon or across two ridges. It's just so I'd recommend getting as close as possible, obviously, but a lot of times the time frame is you got to take what you can get. Are they in a good position? If they're going to tumble or can you recover the goat? Is it going to beat them up too bad? Is it going to go missing a horn? <laughs> like mm-hmm. a lot of factors plus rain and fog. And so you, well, you had terrible weather too. Yeah. I mean, they said it was the worst weather they'd seen in Alaska. Like every outfitter and guide I talked to said it was the worst weather in Alaska in all the years. Like some of them have been for t- over 20 years hunting there and said it was awful. So Maybe my experience is a little bit more exaggerated than a typical hunt. So you spent the majority of the hunt socked in in your tent? Well, we had a tarp. Like, so we would be sitting out like on a ridge trying to like waiting for it to clear. Uh-huh. So not in, Yeah, no, we weren't in a tent the whole time. There was one day we were in a tent most of the day. Otherwise we were under like a makeshift tarp, hoping it would clear long enough to glass. And just See, that's that. the thing. I, th- I The physical part. Yeah, you can anyone can do that. But can you can you deal with the mental challenge of sitting in a tent day after day, five, six days in a row, if you're socked in, fog, 
rain, whatever. I've never had that happen to me. Uh, I mean, I'm, you know, a day on an elk hunt is a long time and then it clears and you're like, okay, good. You know, then soon, as soon as it clears, here come the bugles every time, like clockwork. Uh, I just don't know. Like that, that seems mentally like, like hell. It was very taxing. I, um, I was, I did a lot of mental preparation going into it because thankfully the guys here have experienced it and they told me what it's going to be like. So I was really thinking worst of the worst. Like I was kind of going into it expecting that there are going to be those conditions. And it was. It was so yeah. um, I would recommend taking a book or a deck of cards. Uh, maybe download a movie on your phone. Like that's, I'm just trying to think of things that the people like my group did. Yeah. Um, just to pass the time and then mm. if you like to write that's a great time to write it's very reflecting right <laughs> write some really good articles in that time frame but she set her tent up one night and it flooded I mean she had two inches of water overnight that just filled her tent and she never even woke up she woke up with the only thing reason she wasn't soaking wet was because her pad kept her up high enough yeah I woke up oh. I sleep like a dead person like on my back with my hands on my chest or belly like the whole night, I usually don't move. And so when I woke up, I was floating on my pad and I was like, <laughs> and I look over my bows underwater, like my, my limbs were underwater and I'm like, guys, can someone dig me a moat? <laughs> I need to drain this thing. So they had to like dig around my tent to drain it. And then I could get out and dry it out. But yeah, I woke up and I was like, why do I feel like I'm floating? Oh, cause I freaking I'm floating. <laughs> So how did the so was this just like a a tarp tent situation or how did all the water get in there? Uh, it just leaked. It, yeah, it came it, over it, then there where you zip it up. Yeah, well, they I set was, the tents up and everything looked good, you know, but they weren't expecting a downpour overnight mm-hmm. and it started flooding and she slept through it, I guess, and it just came where it the creek filled up so fast that. They were up on a high spot while well, there was so much rain and it came over and it was jumping the lip of, you know, where you zip it up at. Mm, the perils of a uh, little one man, nylon tent. I've been there. Haven't gotten soaked in that situation, but uh, did, did just get a uh, a nice Kodiak canvas tent for our, for our hunt this fall. Um, let's knock out a break. We'll come back and we will eventually get to Africa. Uh, that segment of the show brought to you by... SCI, the worldwide leader in big game conservation. I'm a proud member. Here's why you should join. Because no group does more to protect your rights domestically and internationally than SCI. So if uh, protecting your hunting rights and the, the Second Amendment and trapping and access issues, all that stuff is important to you, then head over to safariclub.org. We'd love to have you. We'll be right back on the Lone Star Outdoor Show. I spend all my money Caviar and cocaine And I would not remember How you broke my heart 
the granddaddy of all hunting shows is back. The 2023 Hunters Extravaganza, August 11th through the 13th at the Fort Worth Convention Center. Fun for the whole family. Check out hunting seminars, all the latest hunting equipment, last season's best bucks from our annual deer contest, and for the little hunters, games, live alligators, snakes, and more. For details and tickets, go to huntersextravaganza.com. August 11th and 13th at the Fort Worth Convention Center. The 2023 Hunter's Extravaganza. Let me tell you about the Armorsite 640 contractor. It is the industry-leading thermal technology in a very user-friendly rifle scope. A 640 Armacore 12 Micro made in the USA Thermal Core. It's got a four-hour onboard recording, four-hour runtime on a full charge, USB and Wi-Fi streaming, uh, eight user-selectable reticles and six color palettes, and the most user-friendly interface out there because you're operating these things in the dark. So uh, that's very important. You can find the contractor, the 640, or its little brother, the 320, right there at Armorsite.com. Hey, this is Evan Felker with the Turnpike Troubadours, and you're listening to the Lone Star Outdoors Show. There's a moment when time stands still. Day breaks at the top of the hill. Backstrap from the morning kill. I always kept the best for you. I always kept the best for you. That's the latest from the Turnpike Troubadours. Chip and Mill, the name of that one. Cable Smith. Welcoming everybody back into SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show, presented by Mossberg. Man, it is great to have some new stuff from Turnpike. Uh, that uh, hiatus was way too long. So, thankfully, our very own uh, Evan Felker has gotten everything back on track in his life, and the boys are back to making great music. So, I think that's the second single off of their upcoming record, uh, but those are the only two. There's only two songs that have been released so far. Anyway, thanks for being here. We are still visiting with uh, Jessica and Braxton Byers. Before we get back into that conversation, though, the segment brought to you by Big and J Whitetail Attractants and my friends over at Rustic Reminders Taxidermy. All right, well, let's pick it back up with Jess and Braxton. Braxton, what is your? Do you? Well, I guess first of all, do you guide any rifle hunts or is it all archery these days? No, we got an archery rifle and muzzleloader um, so, in New Mexico. Do you hate it when someone shows up with a 6.5 Creedmoor? I honestly have not had one. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, usually we talk to them. I've actually never had anybody um, ask. You know, a lot A lot this year has been the new um, Hornady Bullet coming out, the 7 PRC. There's a lot of hype around, so a lot of guys are excited about that. But mm-hmm. Um, on some of the youth rifle hunts, yeah, I mean, I've seen the 6.5 PRC um, put them down. Um, yeah, but good. that's that's packing a little more kinetic energy than the Creedmoor. Cousin. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you know, I guided, I've guided Creedmoor guys on Axis and stuff. Not a huge fan, but to each their own. Um, mm-hmm. Definitely like the 6.5 PRC for a lot, and then you know the seven now and the 300 PRC or phenomenal elk guns right no it's just one of those things it's like there i don't think the 6.5 creedmoor would have the kind of you know reputation where we all you know prod it and poke poke fun at it if guys weren't taking it elk hunting i really think that's where it originated it it became so popular so fast and then people are taking it out to kill a 700 pound animal and you're like eh, is that really yeah. the best the best <laughs> option 
And they're like, well, if you can shoot, then it's not a problem. Well, okay, but yeah, it doesn't always go according to plan. Uh, most of the time it doesn't. Right. <laughs> you're running and gunning, you're out of breath usually when you're taking the shot, trying to get in position. Um, so yeah, I definitely like a little bigger gun that we're definitely gonna, you know, we might hit him bad or something, but he's gonna go lay down. Mm -hmm. I have never lost an animal with a 300 wind mag. Yeah, I, I would be super excited <laughs> if he showed up. And the moose that I shot just fell over dead. It was awesome. Oh, that is cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Jess, you are headed, you're, you're leaving tomorrow? Where yeah. are you going? Uh, I'm going to New Mexico for an off range orcs hunt. It's not my tag. I'm going with my friend Rihanna. But um, yeah, I just doing, I love going on girls' hunts. So mm -hmm. she, asked if I wanted to go. So I'm going there for up to a week, but I think in mm. three or four days, we'll be fine. As long as they're leaving the range to go get water and we can get them in the transition, then we should be fine. And this is really a hymns buck. A gims buck. Gims buck. Yeah. Yeah. But you just got back from Africa. They don't call it a gims buck. They call it a himsy or hymns buck. Right. I don't know what they call it. We didn't hunt them. I mean, I, we didn't really hunt them over there. We so. could have. I mean, we saw some, but, mm -hmm. you know, we, we had them in New Mexico and, and get to chase them. I, I guide some of the hunts. So we were looking at some of those species that we don't get to chase. And I fell in love with Africa. I'm going to try to get my pH license. I'm trying to get Jessica to move to South Africa. She's not having it. But I'm trying to get him to move to Alaska. So I'm just... You know, we're on yeah, opposite. We got a lot to work out here, guys. <laughs> a lot to work but, out here. but we're also looking for a house right now. Yeah. So um, I think if we're allowed to travel frequently and often and we have the budget, then I don't really care where we live. But South Africa, mm, a little further away from from home and <laughs> let's talk about your 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 route. Like so I've been I've been six times now and I've flown through London. I have flown through Dubai a couple times. And then I've flown through Qatar, Doha, I think three times. I heard that's pretty cool. Yeah, Doha is is I mean beautiful. The airport's very nice. But I've never done the I think it's Delta that has the flight from direct flight from Atlanta to Joburg. And I've never done that. We were gonna do it this year, but it didn't work up on our day. They only offered it every other day, that flight, and it didn't work up for our it didn't work out for our hunting dates. Um, how did you guys get there? Newark, New Jersey. And I do not recommend it. Hmm. Oh, is that an American flight or? Yeah. Or Delta. no, Delta. So Delta out of Newark and Atlanta have straight, straight flights. And our, our, the rest of our group went through Atlanta and they, they were fine. They had a good experience. Um, ours was a good experience other than they lost our luggage. So we showed up in Africa with nothing. Oh. Um, our flight was delayed our, yeah I mean, it was were, terrible but that doesn't that's not the new work route i mean actually a lot of the out the outfitter and stuff we went with recommended out of newark that it was the better one mm -hmm. um they did lose our bags i hunted or i spot and stocked in hey dudes for like four days <laughs> and he wore the same underwear for four days <laughs> oh wow like at that point don't you just free ball it i'm pretty <laughs> sure <laughs> for sure yeah he did uh, not just... Crash those. Uh, okay, so what was on? What was the top of each of your your list on your your first foray uh, hunting the dark continent? Mine was sable, and mine was kudu. 
and we shot each other's top. Yeah, she shot. The <laughs> okay, same. because I know I seen I I saw Jess had shot a sable. Yeah, but no yeah. kudu. Yeah, he got I a kudu. I shot a kudu. Okay. It so, was it was really I fell in love with hunting a kudu because it, I mean they're they're challenging. Uh-huh. We were in a big high fence. Um, we grew up high fence hunting. Don't have any problems with it. Love it actually. You don't have to justify it to me. What I mean, the one that I go to is thirty thousand acres. You want to call that a high fence? Okay, technically it is, but right. You don't see it unless you drive. You're driving in or you're driving out. Yeah. Well, these you know this this outfitter we were hunting with his he doesn't really buy and stock the place. I mean, it's just kind of family. It's been around for a long time, so they they live and breathe there. There's females, males of most mm-hmm. all species and. The kudu man were just kicking our butts, and we decided to split up. She went and hunt one stand that they had been seeing a a good kudu come in. Actually, it was just an area, and they made a stand and and put some water out. And um, she had a sable come in, and I got a call that you know the the uh, trackers came and got me and took me over there. And as soon as she got out of the stand, she was like, "Please don't be mad at me." I didn't know what was going on. <laughs> I was just like like a timid little puppy dog like i did i didn't shoot a kudu and he's like what did you shoot well there was a big ass in yala coming there too but i didn't i mean they're beautiful but it, it didn't really like trip my trigger so uh-huh. i was like uh a really pretty safe <laughs> he's like no you didn't he got so excited so i was like okay that's a good reaction yeah and he actually ended up going back to that same so i was afraid the kudu was gonna be like just not want to come back. I, I, the kudu came in too, to be very clear. Mm-hmm. I had to choose and I chose the sable because I just couldn't believe how gorgeous it was. Um, and he was pushing the kudu out. So I don't even know that I had enough time to get a shot off at the kudu if I wanted to, because the sable was so dominant. Anyway, I thought I just totally wrecked that stand for him to even get a chance at that kudu, but he went back and sat all day and it was about two o'clock in the afternoon or something. Mm-hmm that kudu came back in and so he got to shoot the kudu that i saw i mean i it was cool it's like a really like full circle experience but uh-huh. yeah, he fell in love with my top and i fell in love with his top and so that's how we that's, that's cool we- <laughs> yeah yeah i'm i'm with you braxton the uh i've shot three kudu now and it's the one thing that every time i go back i don't always shoot one like if we can't find one that's as good you know as the last one i shot then we don't shoot one, but it's the one thing that I'm like, I'm hunting that every time I'm coming, just go ahead and mark that down. And it reminds me so much of elk hunting, uh, especially, you know, I don't, I don't know if the, what, when were y'all there? Were they still rutting? Um, they, they weren't really that much. They were yet. supposed I mean, to they, be. They're but... supposed to be, but I don't know. I guess the rut was late. Yeah. Um, but... but you were sitting in a blind, so you might not have seen all of that, that activity anyway, but they, they, they pretty much you know, one bull will herd up with, you know, 10 cows or whatever it is. They're very elusive and they don't give themselves up like elk because they don't, they don't bugle. Right. Um, but it's about the same size animal and you're hunting in, at least where I, where I've hunted them is, is, you know, varying terrain, but in higher elevations. Uh, so a little more physically challenging. Uh, haven't done it with a bow though. I think a kudu, stalking a kudu with a bow would be pretty damn hard. Yeah, it was it was even tough in the blind, you know, like those animals were wild where we were um, any any type of movement that they caught, they were leaving. But that kudu, I kind of had a good feel of him because they were telling me they had seen him, you know, and he 
he knew that blind wasn't supposed to be there and he watched it all the time. So all the time, I, I kind of drew back, you know, behind and then poked one eye out and saw him. He was down feeding and then came, got on him. Um, but man, they are there. I don't know, you know, all kudu or, or what, but where we were hunting, they were super spooky. Oh yeah. yeah. No, I think that's pretty standard for the species. They're, they're, they don't really tolerate any, any human presence whatsoever. Yeah. Um, what, uh, what else did, what else was on the list and what else were you guys able to take? And I was going to ask, what was the biggest surprise or did you shoot something that wasn't on the list, but you already said y'all, you'll, you just did that. So I, I really wanted a wildebeest and I was torn between, honestly, they're all beautiful, blue, black, golden. I, I was just really struggling. He kind of locked in on the black wildebeest. Mm -hmm. He tried spot and stalking him several times. Um, but then I was torn between blue and golden. It was just whatever I had a chance at. So I shot a blue wildebeest. That was probably my next favorite that I shot. And then a black and common Impala. I shot both of those. And then I shot a warthog, but I couldn't find him. So I didn't get one, one of those. And this is all with a bow? Mm -hmm. Yeah, we exclusively bow hunted this uh -huh. trip. See, that's yeah. not what most people do on their first safari either. A lot of people take their bow and then they put it down and like, okay, I'm going to take the gun now. It's this, oh. is, this is harder than I thought it was going to be. No kidding. But yeah. He shot a jackal with a, with a gun. Yeah. That was super cool. We called jackal one day. That was fun. Nice. Yeah. I, I honestly like, I know it sounds weird going to Africa, but I've been around a lot of these species, you know, growing up on ranches in Texas and stuff. One that I hadn't been around a lot was the warthog. And I I get super fired up on the warthog. You got to go to the Laguna Atascosa. They they have them down there now. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It the is warthog's so cool. That's an awesome they're, animal. They're awesome. You know, and then the trackers and stuff, when you, they get so excited on them and you know, they're, I wouldn't say they're lower, but they're definitely lower on the price range. They were one of my top animals. And I, I fell in love with them even more whenever we were over there because I mean, going to shoot a warthog was not hard. You know, there there's tons of them. You see them at the water, but shooting a big one and hunting big warthogs is, mm. it's pretty tough. You know, they're very, they're spooky too. Um, very, you know, they keep the wind in their favor. And oh, yeah. we had a really big warthog come in one day and um, he caught wind and we never saw him again. There'd be 20 warthogs out and he would not, he wouldn't come in, but I did get a big warthog and uh, talking to a lot of people that have been over there, you know, they, they told us when we were going, like, you're going to get addicted because we, we were like, you know, we want to go experience Africa one time. Yeah. They're like, no, you're going to book before we left. We booked again for 2025 where I'm all <laughs> honestly, like I could go over there and just chase kudu and warthog for 10 days. I mean, uh -huh. it was that much fun, but um, I wanted a baboon. I got busted. Those things are, oh man, they're tricky. With a tricky. bow. With a bow. Man. Yeah. I've only ever shot at baboon at like 500 yards at their ass in running away. Yeah. We never, we never, the, the pH is like, no, we're not, we're not, we're not hunting baboon. If you see one, great, we'll shoot it, but we're not wasting our time with that. Right. Um, but I'm like, I want a skull. Like I real, I'm a collector. I want one. Is it a big male baboon? Oh, that's cool. And it's, they, and they don't like them. They treat them like we treat feral hogs. They're a nuisance. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They, and they even said like, you know, they tear up so much stuff. They're a problem, but. They depredate on calves and fawns too, you know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah they're super cool, but I killed an Impala, a uh, spring buck, a super old spring buck. He was, he was really cool. 
uh, the jackal, warthog, kudu, a, a big diker, which I didn't have oh, a diker. Nice. That's something, you know, really cool about Africa is we did have our list made up, but when, when you're hunting, um, anything walks in and, and I just had told my pH, like, let, you know, if something, a, a really good representative of a species comes in, let me know. Yeah. And, and we'll and talk about it. And that diker tell me the came, price and then we'll decide. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah. No, that diker came in and, and they're super cool. And, you know, I, I shot him at like 15 yards, a full 80 pound bow, um, you know, shooting super fast. That thing ducked my string. Like if, I mean, I could not believe it, how quick he was. I Luckily I hit him high and got him, but mm -hmm. it, I mean, they're not very big anyways, but how fast they were was super cool. Mm -hmm. I mean, and jump, you kind of remind me of like an Axis or a Coos deer there you know, he was coming in and a dove would fly up. Well, he would run back into the trees, you know, and then come back. I mean, they're just super, I guess if you, you weigh 30 pounds and yeah. there's lions around, you're going to be pretty spooky. <laughs> for sure. For sure. I, uh, I, I'm sad that you lost your warthog, uh, warthog, Jess. I shot at one with my bow this past trip and shot right over his back. He actually ducked the string too. I didn't think those things were that fast, but we had it on film and we we're like, it wasn't the best shot anyway. It was it was probably still going to be high, but you could see him just go, like what? I didn't I didn't think those things had that fast twitch uh, reaction. He didn't, they didn't, he didn't duck my string. I just, I mean, we all thought I smoked him. Everybody like any bled like crazy, and then he went under the fence onto a neighbor's property. We we uh, tracked him for a day and a half and mm. just lost blood. But what what do you do? It. it that hugging that shoulder, like basically running straight up that front leg and shooting that far forward is such a mind game for me that I, I struggled. I would, I would get close to, I would get close to the leg, but I, it, the shots really need to be more far forward. And, but they still thought I was fine. They were like, no, I think, I think you got him. Like we have it all in film and everything. And I, again, bleeding, I they're like, you smoked him. And I think I just had a tick too far back which is really common on African animals if you're not used to hunting them. So no dog or the dog couldn't, couldn't find it or. No, no, no. They didn't use dogs. Okay. I'm saying that they're, they're, they're guys, their trackers was, were on them for a day and a half and finding like just following his tracks and find a speck of blood and then nothing. So you ask about the, uh, most impressive are you know thing in africa and stuff and it was the trackers oh my gosh those guys are amazing like i couldn't believe they had actually came and got me one day one had seen a sable and i was spotting and stalking a black wildebeest and finally we we got busted and and went over to look at the sable well it had been like an hour since he had crossed that guy sat there where they had seen him cross and he goes hey we're going to track him in here and and find him which there's tons of game in Africa. So there's tracks everywhere. Mm -hmm. So I'm follow, following this tracker. I'm like, there's, there's no way we're on this sable. And he kept telling me like, he just ate right here and was pointing at the brush and stuff. <laughs> and I'm like, this is, this guy's so full of crap. I'll be dang. We didn't pop around a tree about, I don't know, 1200 yards or something. And there that sable was standing there eating. And I was like, Oh my gosh. Right. The trackers on blood, they're, I mean, all, they're amazing. Like they make us look silly over here. Oh yeah. There's no doubt. No doubt. That, that was how I shot my Inyala. I, was, I shot him with a gun, but 
they tracked him basically on just like loose gravel and like a, like some like oh this tiny little rocks disturbed here i'm like what are you saying yeah. i don't yeah. understand this isn't dirt there's no footprint but <laughs> I was like, yeah they're amazing some of them though are former poachers and you know they they are uh, very adept at eluding the authorities and then mm-hmm. these uh safari outfits make honest men out of them and they realize they don't have to break the law to make a, a good wage support their family our tracker was uh he was the authorities. I mean, he tracked people. That's what. And Kruger. In, mm. in Kruger Park. So it was he, super, super cool. He's had, yeah, he's had to shoot people before. <laughs> I'm like. Yeah. Oh, that's the reality. Um, well, Kruger, I think, I don't know when it is, but there's no questions asked. If you're crossing Kruger and you're not supposed to be there, they shoot first and ask questions later. I mean. Yeah. It's not so much like that throughout most of South Africa, but you start going to. Uh, lesser developed countries. I mean, I've heard stories like that. Tanzania, Zambia, um, Rhodesia. There's, there's no, there's no asking. If yeah. you're, if you're, if you're armed and you're not where you're supposed to be, they just, they know you're poaching. That's it. Lights out. Um, but it is what it is. I had our, our, my pH had four rhinos, white rhinos, poached on his property before I started hunting with him. You know, that was basically like $200,000 worth of all four of them were pregnant mm. and lost all of it. Just in the middle of the night, four dead rhinos without their horns, just laying in the pasture. So, yeah. It's super sad to hear some of the stories that we were told over there about it all. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, it sounds like you guys had an amazing trip. Um, kudos to you for sticking with the bow the whole time. I think I've, I've only taken my bow twice and had with mixed results, but you know, I'm not a diehard bow hunter. I just dabble here and there. Uh, I enjoy it. Archery elk's my favorite thing, but you know, I've missed or wounded as many as I've killed. I'm hoping that that, uh, I'm on like a three year fail streak of eating tag soup. Hopefully that ends this year in New Mexico. Uh, super, super excited though, uh, about the upcoming season. And, you know, you guys have always been, um, good friends and a, a couple that I admire that, that, hunt together and uh, are totally immersed in in this outdoor lifestyle. Uh, But I did want to ask you, Braxton, because I've always respected Jess because she doesn't have to show a lot of skin, you know, and I think that that's becoming less and less of a thing um, because girls know sex sells. But I did hear Jess just started an OnlyFans page. So how is that? How is that going? (laughs) We talked about it for a while and just figured with all these hunts she's doing on she's got greenland coming up that we're not going to be able to afford it so we had to do something screw <laughs> both of y'all <laughs> uh, yeah. they always make fun of me in the office because i'm barefoot a lot i'll take my shoes off and walk around and they act like they're taking pictures of my feet and they're like we're going to start our own only fans <laughs> pictures i'm like screw y'all yeah. i can't believe people do that but i mean more power to you, I guess. I guess so. I guess so. Um, all right. Well, guys, thanks so much for the time. We'll have to catch up again after this uh, this hunting season and maybe go uh, have some. What do we had? We celebrated Jess's birthday in Vegas at SCI a couple years ago. Had some sushi. Maybe we'll have to run that back. Heck yeah, for sure. No, thanks for having us. Yeah, yeah. it's good to talk to you. Good to see you. I guess we'll see you in Dallas. Yep, I will be there. Although I can't believe they're moving to Atlanta for five years. What a Ugh. 
Atlanta? I don't want to talk about on. it. I've already been like, we're canceling our, we're canceling, we're Atlanta. not going to Atlanta. <laughs> Sorry to anyone listening from the ATL, uh, but yeah, bummer. I feel. <laughs> yeah, send us pictures of that bull when you break your streak. We'll do it. We'll do it. All right, y'all take care. All right, thanks, Cable. So there they go, Jessica and Braxton Byers. Uh, by the way, I should have mentioned, I'll do it now. Uh, you can follow their social media accounts. They're both on Instagram. At follow her arrow is Jess. Uh, not only fan stuff, you're not going to see pictures of her feet. It's all hunting content, which is why I respect Jess. And uh, Braxton is at follow his arrow. Uh, so good stuff there. Thanks to both of them for uh, jumping on today as unfortunately... We are out of time. Uh, that segment brought to you by Vortex Optics and the Sun Slayer hoodie. It's literally what I've been wearing all summer, anytime I've uh, been outside anyway, because it keeps those harmful UV rays off your skin while keeping you light and airy. And, uh, and here's the cool thing. You can save 20% off all Vortex apparel with that promo code LONESTAR20 when you check out at vortexoptics.com. Uh, thanks to all of our sponsors, by the way. Not just Vortex, but all of them, as they uh, they keep the show on the air, and we appreciate that. Thanks to you, the listener, for being a part of today's presentation. Until next time, I'm Cable Smith saying, y'all have a great week in the outdoors. Now the river's wide and deep and brown. And she's crossing muddy water.